Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Once your dog sees value in the pack, uh, loves you, needs you, and you become that provider, then that's why they're going to go out and they're going to hunt for for birds to, to provide to their pack. There's always something to debate or argue in the dog world, but there's just one thing that's not up for debate. All hunters and dog owners know you need the right gear, not just for yourself, but for your dogs as well. Conkey's Outdoors Hound and Hunting Supply is your number one source for all things hound related. Conkey's is owned and operated by true houndsmen themselves. They've got you covered no matter the game you're chasing from hog hunting, bear hunting, and even gator hunting. Bird dog guys don't feel left out either. They have whatever you need, whether it's training collars, tracking collars, boots, chaps, vests, coats, and more. No matter what you and your dog needs to have a successful hunt, check out conkeysoutdoors.com and they'll get you on the right track. Purchases over $100 gets you free shipping and enter GDIY5 to save 5%. And if you're a Patreon patron, you get to save even more money. So be sure to check out Conkeys Outdoors. everybody welcome back to another week of gdiy and this is my last week of gdiy nick i'll be signing off um it's it's my time to finish up the podcast and move on yeah man it, it, it's tough we're we're definitely gonna miss you but i understand it's uh you know it's it's a time suck but uh i'm glad you came on and got got to say bye and hopefully you, you don't miss us too much no, it's been great, man. It's been a really good opportunity to learn a lot from all the different guests that we've had on and a lot of the conversations we have with people uh, that all the listeners don't know about, you know, people email in and those conversations we have with people helping someone with a dog, uh, even though we're not the the most experienced people in the world, it's, it's really rewarding to be able to help people. And I've had a really good time doing it. It's just time for me to hang it up, man. Yeah, no, I understand. We definitely, uh, 
I tell everybody we probably benefit more than anybody being able to talk to the people we do on a regular basis. And, uh, it, it's definitely rewarding and, you know, it, it sucks, but, uh, I definitely get it. And, uh, we are going to miss you, but, uh, you know, I know you're ready to, to hit the road, but man, it, it wouldn't be right if I let you go without one last life advice. Uh, real quick Mike Galante wrote what rituals do you have prior to a hunt or training session rituals prior to a hunt or training session Uh, put an e-collar on the dog (laughs) (laughs) I don't have anything too specific that I do other than uh, you know I like to do things in a specific order Um, the dog is the last thing to come out when I'm, especially when I'm hunting and it's the first thing to go away. Um, that way while I'm getting my vest and gun and everything, uh, the dog's not running around and, you know, potentially already getting into birds or getting into a road or whatever. So I get myself ready, my gun ready, and then my dog ready. And when we get back to the truck, same thing happens in reverse order. Dog goes away first and then I put my vest and gun and all that stuff away. So, Yep. There you go. That's about all the ritual I have, man. I was about to say, when you said you didn't have anything, I was like, nah, I know you do stuff in a certain order when you're getting ready. So I, I wasn't going to let you off on that. But yeah, uh, yeah that, that, that just seems to be. you said ritual, I was like, you know, <laughs> occasionally I'll, you know, uh, make a cup of like mingle spice tea and have some tea. <laughs> Put on your lucky socks, you know, yeah, whatever. Uh, yep. But yeah, just. We, we had definitely had to do one last life advice. I thought that was fitting. And, uh, again, man, appreciate it in the months and, and, you know, it is a time commitment and a time suck for sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll be in touch and then, uh, yeah. at some point, you know, you got, you got a long journey to the invitational next year. So, uh, maybe check in at some point and see how that's going and wish you the best of luck on all that. And, uh, yeah, no, man, thanks for the opportunity and, uh, for everyone else out there, uh, you know, thanks for listening. And, uh, Nick, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, man. Appreciate it. Yep. See ya. Well, there you go, everybody. That's Adam signing out from the podcast. It's been a lot of fun doing uh, the podcast with him over the few months. We learned a lot together and had a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, it's a new chapter with GDIY. It's me and Joe. We're going to keep on rocking and, uh, you know, trying to keep everything coming out with you on the normal basis and regular schedule. And, uh, you know, the, it might be a little different with, uh, just me being the main host and probably a little bit more guest heavy, but yeah, you know, Adam had to move on and we're going to miss him, but we're going to keep trying to come out with, uh, interesting topics and discussions and, and everything like that. But, uh, this week we have David Curlander coming back on. We, uh, there's a few topics that we always get from listeners and, and questions and we try and advise everybody the best we can. Uh, we, we're always quick to tell you that if we don't know something, we're just going to tell you we don't know. And, and one of the things that I'm always quick to not want to advise people on is aggression. And so I, t- I called David up and said, Hey, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of uh, questions and concerns uh, about some of the, the listeners, dogs and aggression tendencies. And, uh, 
He even said, you know, it's very hard to talk on a podcast about dog aggression issues because it's very hard on a case by case basis to get the full picture and not just take something out of context. You know, there's a lot of questions about the environment, what's going on, what's involved. Is it a one time thing or is it a, a, a habitual thing? Uh, and trying to find that common denominator. So we really just kind of talk about it from a thousand foot view, uh, not too much how to or what to do in certain situations, but just overall how to kind of look at aggression in dogs. Uh, but Curlander is very knowledgeable on dog behavior. He's been doing it for years and decades, uh, but he does do one-on-one -on -one services uh, via online. So if that's something that you're interested, you have some aggression tendencies, he does specialize in, in doing one-on-one -on -one sessions online via Skype or, or whatever service that you have and uh, tries to really kind of get down and figure out what what's triggering some of the aggression issues. So if that's, you know, you listen to this and you don't quite get the answers that you, you were looking for from it, you know, if you want to check him out and just, he says at the end of the episode, how you can find him to shoot him a message. He'd be happy to work with you, but it was a fun conversation. I love these type of conversations and really just talking about dogs and, and how they act in general and, uh, and just figuring out how we can, really work with them into figuring out some of these equations and, and issues and challenges and, and yeah, just coming out with a well-rounded dog afterwards. So, uh, yeah, it was a fun episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, if you haven't already, please find us on Facebook and Instagram under gun dog it yourself. If you're not a Patreon member and you don't mind throwing a couple bucks our way, it's patreon.com forward slash gun dog it yourself. Uh, leave a rating, review, share with a friend, all that good jazz. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you back next week. Picture this. You just finished a long day's hunt or a long day in the training field grooming your next champion. You've run through your entire string of dogs in anticipation for the next fall. You think the day's over. It's not, though. Your day's not over until you let that ugly dog hunt. No hunting or training session is complete without capping it off with one of the spirits from Ugly Dog Distillery. They're Michigan-raised and purebred handcrafted spirits. They have everything you need from vodka and gin to your more traditional after-hunt choice Kentucky bourbon. Head on over to UglyDogDistillery.com to check availability within your state. And if you have an upcoming event that's alcohol-friendly, then be sure to reach out to us and see if we can add another Ugly Dog to the lineup. We'll tell you right now, we aren't much on flavored whiskeys, but you have to try their peanut butter whiskey. Unlike other peanut butter whiskeys out there, Ugly Dogs is made with real Kentucky bourbon and not just grain alcohol with syrup. So after your next hunt or a long day of testing and you're trying to decide what to drink, reach for the bottle with Ruger, the German wire hair pointer on it. It was handcrafted by people just like us, dog people. Every adventure starts somewhere. Make sure yours includes an ugly dog at your side. Explore responsibly. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you could need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. 
be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. All right, everybody, we're back. We are joined with David Curlander this week. David, how you doing today? Good, good. How are you? Oh, living the dream. So I wanted to have you on. You know, we, we field a lot of questions from uh, listeners and we try and help them out the best we can. We're not experts and we tell everybody the worst that we can say is we don't know something. Uh, but one topic that I'm always kind of hesitant to speak about just because I don't have a whole bunch of personal experience and I definitely don't want to advise them something that ends up being worse is uh, aggression issues. And so we've, we've had a lot of questions and people curious about aggression in dogs. And I figured that that's a great topic to have someone such as yourself and a dog behaviorist get on and speak about. And that way I'm not having to just make it up as I go along. <laughs> yeah. No, dog aggression is a very, very common thing, unfortunately, commonly misunderstood uh, behavior. You know, there's, there's, as an animal behavior specialist, it's really all I focus on. For the most part, you know, on on the behavior side of things, uh, with aggression. So you know, even with the hunting dogs, a lot of people will give up on their hunting dogs for things like resource guarding and stuff like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, if, if people didn't catch you the first time that we had you on, kind of give a brief uh, description of yourself. What do you do, and your experience in dealing with a lot of these issues? Yeah, so I'm an animal behavior specialist. Uh, Technically, uh, I call myself more of an animal behavior researcher because that's more of what I do is, is, is research. I work with wolves. I work with, uh, I have worked with up, up to 650 species of animals, gorillas, elephants, uh, pretty much everything. <laughs> so, uh, but my specialty falls under canines, uh, you know, and, and a lot of the research I've done in the wild, I bring into my theories on how to help our domestic dogs. Even though they're not wild animals, they still have that wild instinct to them you know their predatorial instincts their uh mm-hmm. their structural behaviors so yeah so it's, it's basically all i all i really do is train hunting dogs and work with dogs with aggression <laughs> and fear. Man, that's, that sounds like a rough life right there i tell you uh, a- so i guess you know let's just start off with what you who, who deals with this on a regular basis what you kind of define as aggressive tendencies you know that i think a lot of people are real quick to judge a dog based off of like one one maybe mishap or a or a growl or something and they're like oh that dog's aggressive but you know really define the difference between a dog that really has aggressive makeup and an aggressive tendency as opposed to like just maybe a a a one-off type of event yeah you know well you know, there's so so breeds. You know, every breed is uh, has their different breed traits. Um, you know, personality definitely makes a a big um, distinction. You know, within their within their behaviors. So, you know, obviously, you can have a Rottweiler that's as sweet as pudding. You know, and then you have <laughs> another Rottweiler that is just you know the <laughs> the epitome of aggression. You know, so so when you look at like genetics. There are dogs bred for certain purposes, you know. So, so uh, I hate to talk to the, talk about them like that. Like, there's, you know, there's some sort of like a tool like purpose for the dogs, but you know, there, there, there kind of is. They're, you know, uh, they're all individuals. They're all breathing, living, beautiful creatures, but they all have some sort of a genetic purpose. You know, your border right. collies are 
phenomenal for healing, you know, you know, like uh, doing their um, uh, herding, yep. you know, and you got your pointers, you know, and your German shepherds and, and, and so on. So right there, we have to understand what we're getting involved with when we do decide to choose a breed to bring into our home. So a lot of, you know, a, a really good example of this is uh, a lot of my German shepherds that I work with. They're, you know, the, it's a very common story. You know, I, I, I wanted a German Shepherd, so I researched and I found the best kennel on the planet. You know, his dog is just great. Look at this pedigree. And I look at the pedigree and I'm like, Schutzen, 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 Schutzen. <laughs> like these dogs are like military dogs. Like, you know, no doubt they are fantastic bloodlines, but you might not want that dog in a one bedroom apartment in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the dog needs to work. There's just this, this, a lot of energy there and, you know, and there's an aggression there. So, you know, these dogs were used for livestock guarding. You know, you, they're, 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 they're born to be independent, put out in the field. Uh, you know, that's why they have such incredible intelligence and, uh, they guard their sheep, you know? So yeah. there's got to be some sort of a, a level of aggression there and intelligence, which intelligence equals stubbornness, just period. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, and that I think I think what you just brought up was a bunch of good points. As you know, you have a lot of people, especially in the hunting dog community, they they'll do all the research and figure out the type of breed that they want and the line that they want based on certain characteristics. But then it's kind of like they put on blinders to to potential aggression issues. And what you just said about the German Shepherd is a good example of you wanted a German shepherd, you found some great lines and a lot of people may have just jumped at that, but then you kind of saw, well, Hey, there's a, there's a potential, uh, non fit there with what the line actually does. You get all these other good qualities, but maybe this quality, uh, isn't right for, for the situation that I'm going to be in. But in the hunting community, it's like, everything is perfect over here, but this one, a little aggressive tendency or maybe red flag, they'll, they're kind of, they'll ignore it and then just put blinders on it for the life of the dog. Almost a lot of the time. Right. Well, if you're looking for a work quality dog, then you're definitely going to look for a dog that has a very strong, aggressive drive, you know? So, so things like resource guarding is a structural form of communication. So, you know, it's, it's one of, I'm not going to mention rescue names. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, but there's one world renowned rescue that is a, uh, a non-kill rescue. Um, and they're non-kill only if they accept the dogs, which means that the dogs that they intake, maybe dog control brings them there or something. The dogs that they intake, they put them through these absolutely ridiculous tests that, you know, to be honest, I wouldn't pass them. Uh, <laughs> and I've actually done a demonstration for my local one. Um, you know, you put a stick, you know, you, you put a glove on the end of a stick and stick it in a bowl and the dog bites it is absolutely zero indication that that dog has an aggression issue. You know, it, 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 there's, there's absolutely no logic to this thing whatsoever. In fact, that, 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 that I have an example of that where I was down at my local, uh, rescue. Um, and they did this test on an income with a pit bull. Mm-hmm. And the dog bit the glove in the sleeve. So they were like, nope, aggressive resource guarding. Oh, wow. So so I took the dog's bowl and I put my hand in it. And the dog licked my hand. And I'm like, <laughs> you cannot. I'm like, you cannot use the representation of a human hand, that 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 connection with a, a, a glove and a stick. Come on, people. You know, it's, yep. it's ridiculous. Uh-huh. So so uh, but the dog 
you know, quote unquote, failed, you know, their thing. And I said, you know, resource guarding. If I was in a restaurant and, and, and I had a plate of food in front of me and someone walked by and put their hand down on my food plate, I'm going to resource guard it. I'm definitely going to be like, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, first off, I expect them not to touch it. So when they fail my expectation, I'll warn them, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. And then if they fail that, fork in the hand. No, I'm joking. <laughs> well, maybe. Depends if it's an expensive steak. <laughs> or your wife just stealing your fries or something. Well, that's... The, the, yeah, yeah. She, no, she owns everything. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so, so how do we as dog owners, do we distinguish, you know, where where is the line drawn to where maybe there's some red flags as far as breed or specific lines or, or the history of that line? Where do we draw the line between that and kind of environment-induced uh, aggression issues? You know, maybe the, the certain living arrangement or just improper socialization when they're young. You know, walk us through through how do we kind of distinguish the difference between that? Is it in the dog or do we make it in the dog? It, so there's, there's a whole bunch of components to really um, – consider when when it comes down to aggression and also what we can do to uh satisfy the dogs so you know it, we live in a world where um you know people expect the dogs to meet our expectation but we never really kind of meet theirs you know so 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 imagine living in a house where uh you're doing everything you possibly can for your roommates, but yet your roommates are doing absolutely nothing for you. That relationship will not last long and it will get aggressive. You know, so uh, the, the only difference is we can leave, you know, the dogs can't. So, so there's, you know, a certain level of pent up frustrations, desires, what's their dog's purpose. So when, when you're looking for a breed, you know, definitely take into consideration your environment. If you have 200 acres, you know, maybe a border collie will be fine, you know? Um, but if you live in a one bedroom apartment, you know, consider how you're going to route your day. You know, um, again, if it, it, this is a real life example, someone living in a, in a, in a one bedroom apartment, uh, it was a six floor walk up and they worked, you know, pretty much seven days a week. Uh, my question is why, why get a dog? You know, if, if, if you can't provide to yeah. So, you know, I got called in later because the dog was showing aggressive you know, tendencies towards uh, the owners. And I said, well, it's because there's no relationship. You know, dogs, they, they go to sleep with each other. They spend all day with each other and they, you know, they, they wake up the next morning and then, you know, so they're together all the time. You know, the wolf doesn't just go, hey guys, I'm going to work. I'll be back at five. You know, it, it just it just doesn't operate like that for canines. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's, there's, there's other components too. Like, you know, again, how is that dog raised? Uh, how is he bred? Um, you know, it's, I know Springer Spaniels are absolutely fantastic, gorgeous, beautiful dogs, but you know, I've probably in my entire career, never met one that doesn't want to hunt in some way, shape or form, <laughs> you know? Uh, All right. yeah, there are some, you know, some dogs that are, you know, there, there might not be nav to quality, you know, they might not be going out and doing like competitive hunting, but there is a predatorial yeah. instinct to that, you know, and trying to suppress that is just going to make the dog angry. Um, you know, or, or again, they have no outlet for, for their nature, their, their sole purpose, their driven purpose. So, yeah. So, 
So somebody, you know, again, they're they're doing the research, they figure out their breed, and you know, we we hear all the time about these generalization of, of breeds. You know, you hear a lot about like draughts and wire hairs a lot of the time. You know, they're wiry around other dogs. Uh I I've you know, from my short time on in this world, I've kind of noticed that it, it kind of depends on the individual line of that breed as opposed to the entire breed. But there is something to be said, like we've already touched on, is certain breeds have different qualities and, you know, wire hairs and draughts. And that there are other breeds uh, that fall into this category. They usually have a high prey drive. So knowing that when you when you decide to get one of these dogs, you know, what do you suggest when you bring them home? Uh, the first good steps in creating a well socialized dog to where hopefully we don't have any of those aggression issues down the road. Well, developing, developing communication and structure is the most important thing you could do for all dogs. Um, you know, getting that structure known, who possesses this territory, you know, who, who's, who's, uh, food is that, whose animals are these, you know, it, it's, it's just really good to let them know what to expect. Dogs, they love expectations. They also love, um, routine. So they're, they're creatures of habit. Yeah. So they always love to be on a routine. So as long as you're steady on a routine and then, you know, giving them some sort of an outlet. You know, you don't have to go out and start shooting birds. You know, you could uh, maybe do some scent work or, or, or you know, some sort of a, a, a fetch routine, you know, something to give them yeah. some sort of an outlet. Purpose. Exactly. Yeah, just exactly. some sort of purpose and something to occupy their time and, and mind, really, so they don't lash out in other ways. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there's, you know, Labradors are the best example of this. You know, Labrador Retrievers are fantastic hunting dogs personally the ones that i work with my particular one is 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 amazing upland water anything that dog will do literally anything um you know the uh uh, i've had a lab before that wouldn't do a damn thing (laughs) (laughs) a bird could sit in front of his face and he'd just sit there with his paws crossed like hey let it go you know so um, so so again it, it it depends but that dog would you know if 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 uh Another dog walked on the property. He would definitely stand up and guard his territory. So, you know, I guess it really has a lot to do with the way they're being bred. Dogs can be bred for pep quality. Uh, Again, I hate that word, but but they can be. Um, Or high drive. drive. So, but yeah, it's important to just kind of find out what they need and and give it to them in some way, shape or form, you know. And with the labs, you know, how many times have you heard somebody that gets a lab, uh, like you said, a pet lab and they end up trying to find a new home for it a year in because it's just constantly chewing up everything. It's chewing up, you know, the shoes, the anything laying around the walls, whatever they chew their car in half. And and it's really because they, they got a working dog and they didn't do anything with it. And it did not, didn't have that outlet like you were just talking about. So labs are a great example. You hear all the time, like, Oh man, it ate 20 pairs of slippers in the past month. Well, that's why they don't have an outlet. Exactly. Exactly. And they're just eating rocks and everything on the floor. You know, they need a lot of attention, a lot of training. Um, you know, America's favorite dog, you know, is, and, and, and I'll be honest, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful dog. One of my favorites. I love the Labrador retriever. Uh, but again, it's, yeah, you know, they're, they are, they're, uh, they're, don't get me wrong. They are amazing family dogs, amazing family dogs, but they're also amazing hunters. And, and, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they definitely need that stimulation. They're extremely intelligent. So, and, and, and running five miles 
blindly is not going to, you know, it'll tire your dog, but it won't change him or satisfy him mentally. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, I mean, there, there's clearly a need for the purpose and, and giving them that outlet, but you know, let, let's dive a little deeper into what else we can provide for these dogs to help pro- develop a well-socialized and well-rounded dog because the the bulk of our listeners, you know, they're listening to this as, as a hunting dog uh, development podcast type thing. So the majority of the people listening to us, they're getting their dogs for a purpose. You know, they're, they're going to be working, they're going to be hunting, they're going to be all that. What are other suggestions or guidelines that they should take with when they first bring a young pup into the house and to start developing that well-rounded dog? Well, Hunting is a natural instinct for the dog to provide to its pack. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's important to encourage the dog's uh, aggression, you know. And, and when I say aggression, I mean like, you know, I can aggressively study for a test. You know, I can aggressively yeah. go for a job. Now, you know, aggression tends to be taken out of context, um, just like fear. You know, fear is actually a good thing. You know, I, I want my kids to fear playing in the middle of, of, of you know, Route 9. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, or on a highway. You know, these there, is, there are certain things. Fear is what keeps the coyotes back in the woods and not running up to my front door every time I walk out of the house. Um, yeah. You know, but aggression is how they, fe- how they feed and how they survive. Uh, so, so hunting is something that is, uh, I've always believed this, is something that we don't teach them. We just teach them how to do it with us. You know, exactly. so we can so we can over our dogs. We we we're we're not teaching them anything. They they'll you know leave them to their own devices and their own pack without human influence, and they are the, will become fantastic hunters. Um, you know, and so so I feel like encouraging their instincts. Uh, don't don't overly um, you know don't worry so much about certain aggressive things like 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 resource guarding. You know, that, that, that's just an aggressive form of communication to find out where they are in the pack. So perhaps we could actually start resource guarding from them, just like their natural mama does. I actually just working on that chapter in my book. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's all about communication, um, you know, developing that structure. Once your dog sees value in the pack, uh, loves you, needs you, and you become that provider then that's why they're going to go out and they're going to hunt for, for birds to, to provide to their pack. So you, you just said something that we have to elaborate on when you said maybe we should do some resource guarding against them just like mama does. Are you, are, are you suggesting that we legit like growl at them and, and kind of bow up against them? Like yes. what, uh, Explain that piece a little bit yeah. more because I just see a lot of people now, oh, I'm going to go home and uh, get on all fours and dog. start growling at my dog. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. YouTube that, guys. No. <laughs> that would be a great YouTube one. Um, no, yeah. It, it, so there are ways we can do this where we don't have to, um, you know, we're not dogs. So <laughs> yeah. we, we can't just... Although I've met a few people, uh, trainers that, that would do that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that <surprised> me. <laughs> just, just bite the dog. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> so we're not dogs. Um, we can't perform a majority of their behaviors. Like I can't raise my hackles. I can't critique my ears. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just don't have that, that, that same body, body structure. To, yeah. Yeah. So, so what I can do is, you know, dogs communicate through, um, expect, warn and correct. 
So they don't, they don't command each other to sit, stay and lay down. I've never in my life sat in the woods and heard a wolf go, Hey guys, come, you know, or heal. <laughs> that never in my life. Again, if I can catch that on YouTube, I would be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, what they do, how they do communicate is through expectations. And when they fail that, they warn each other. And when they fail the warnings, they correct. Now, the domestic dog is very different than the wild dog. So genetically, our domestic dogs never exit the juvenile state of existence. So uh, what that means is that they do mature physically. They become adults physically. But they never challenge us like a wolf will. So the wolf has that... That, that instinct inside of them, that, that, that desire to say that one day I need to rise up to, 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 to rule the roost, you know, one day. So, mm-hmm. you know, we don't live forever. The older ones are going to die and I need to somehow rise up and take over this pack. Uh, whereas the domestic dog uh, with, with uh, you know, depends on which researcher you talk to, but 10 to 40,000 years of a relationship with us have evolved into such a manner that they never, never, never challenge us. Now, once in a while they do. Once in a while, you do get that alpha type mentality uh, and that dog will really challenge you. And those are usually the ones that get euthanized because they're just very difficult to handle because now you're dealing with a dog that has an aggression issue because he wants to be, you know, he, he's, mm-hmm. there's nothing you're going to do if he wants to be the leader of this pack. Now it's, you know, extremely, extremely rare. Um, I've had a lot of behaviorists send dogs down to me, veterinary behaviorists, uh, where they've had some signs that they were an alpha type mentality, but they turned out not to be. It was just based off of fear, lack of structure, yada, yada. Um, But if you can get the puppy early enough and establish your leadership over this puppy, so we have to look at correcting puppies uh, or dogs in general, our domestic dog, like mama would correct her puppy, not like two adult males fighting and battling, you know, over structure in the woods. So, you know, this, yeah, this leads into this huge argument that I have with uh, people who believe in prong collars. You know, I, I've gotten into some big battles with, 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 uh, yeah, I've lost some friends too that were trainers because of my opinions <laughs> on this. But, you know, their whole thing is like, well, dogs bite each other all day long. You know, you worked with wolves, you see that. I have never in my life seen a mother or any of the pack members correct a puppy in such a manner to harm him physically or mentally. Uh, this is, counterproductive to survival uh you know as a pack we need each other to survive you know so so why would i hurt the very thing i need to live that's like shooting the pilot of a plane you're on it just doesn't make sense yeah these you know i do agree yes dogs do bite each other but you're talking about two adults fighting over structure which will usually end in a separation of the pack or or a bloodbath you know so uh but that's again another rarity you know, so, so, so when we look at the domestic dog, there are certain traits, even like the stub nose, the flopped ears, the piebald coloring, uh, everything that kind of indicates that the dogs never really, you know, left this juvenile state of existence. So we have to correct our dogs like a mama would correct her puppy, which would be pressure. She doesn't really use her teeth. They happen to be there, but that, you know, it's more about pressure. I've been bit by dogs. I'm sure you have where they never really break your skin, you know? Yeah. It's just uh, kind of like a like warning a, tap or something. Exactly. Like a muzzle punch or they grab your pants or they grab your arm and they just put pressure on you. Yeah. That, that is like a mother correcting a puppy. So, so all mama's job to do, and the only reason I mentioned the female is because she's the only one that really takes a parental role in, in the raising of the puppies. Um, 
the whole point of that is to make sure that puppy doesn't rise up above her, but still has the mentality and the dominance to rise above everybody else. Right. So, so this is why my theory is when it comes down to the alpha dominant male, uh, I haven't really seen that. Okay. You know, there are very alpha dominant males, but there's many of them and who raised them mama. So nobody steps over mama. (laughs) Even, (laughs) even in the wild. Yeah. I've seen some like real tough alpha type males walk by one female and all of a sudden bow his head away. And I'm like, yeah, that's mama. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, real quick, you know, I I, want to go back to, cause I'm still just visualizing a bunch of listeners getting down on all fours. And now instead of biting their, their muzzle punching the dog (laughs) with their nose or something. So (laughs) let's, let's put it in a, in a real life situation. Say you're just sitting there and you're, you're trying to eat dinner you know, and you're resource guarding. The dog's wanting to come get your dinner and you're not having it. What What is yep. the correct way to handle that? You know, it doesn't have to be food or anything, but the dog wants it and you don't want to give it to him. What What is the correct well, response to that? Uh, as you say, as mama would do it, but, you know, we're not going to get down and muzzle punch our pups ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the so that's a very, very difficult question to really answer by giving a routine because because the problem is is that there's no way to say for sure what the personality of the individual dog is so um i can give a percentage and say that like 80 percent of the dogs will respond positively and then you got another 20 percent that'll bite you right in the face you know so <laughs> yeah. um so so this is where it gets to be a little bit more of like um even on my podcast i would i, I never really give routines because I really don't believe in these TV shows and, and, and these things that, that like, you know, they go on there and, you know, here's a problem dog and this is how I fixed it. And then, you know, the watcher goes home and tries it and gets bit. So, you know, it depends. So, so I just want your listeners to know, definitely don't just go home and try this on your dog. Okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's because there are ways to kind of break down certain mentalities. So if your dog has a resource guarding issue i hate to say issue but if your dog does resource guard and you do one of these routines you might push him over that line and trigger him to go after you which we don't want to do you know there are ways to kind of build the dog down a little bit before you can do these routines but essentially what it would be is having your dog on the leash and a collar uh not a harness uh not a prong collar just a regular buckle collar or a martingale something that causes compression Okay. And basically, you just throw the food on the floor and wait for the dog to go get it. And if the dog makes the decision to go get it, then he fails your expectation. So essentially, if I walked into your home, right, you have a couch, uh, you know, or, or better yet, the refrigerator, you know, I know you have a refrigerator, yeah. um, but you didn't have to tell me that. <laughs> you know, you, you didn't have to tell me. You should expect me to know that. You know, like if I'm in your house and I see that refrigerator, that's an expectation. You know, if I walked into your house and you were like, hey, Dave, how's it going? That's my refrigerator. Don't touch it. I'm going to be like, okay, that's weird. You know, if you touch so, it, I'm going to have to muzzle so, punch you. No, muzzle puzzle. <laughs> but yeah, so, so that's, that's basic expectations. So it, we have them, they have them. So when that food hits the ground, that's my house, my food. And that dog didn't have permission to touch it, you know? So essentially, if they go for the food, they fail my expectation. And I just, basically what I say is, hey, you know, just coming from that that hunting background, hey, hip, everything, you know? So, yeah. you know, all yeah. these, you know, so, so I just say, hey, that's my quote unquote bark. That's pre-escalated vocalization. Yeah. 
warning the dog, hey, that's mine. I'm showing that I possess it. And then if he continues from there, I give him some pressure bites, which is literally like a flick of the wrist on that le- on that leash. You just kind of get it from a loose state of existence to a snap. And what it does is, is essentially that leash is becoming an extension of your hand, which you're tapping him on the neck mm-hmm. as if you were literally going to tap your friend on the shoulder. So the only difference is, is I can get really annoying and I could do that tap for about 45 minutes straight. Yeah. <laughs> so it literally suppresses the dog's ability to move forward, which shows the dog that I'm the one who's possessing that food. Right. And that's the mildest way that I can ever, like really one of the most mild ways I could start. But that routine, God, I trained over 150 trained, well trained and worked with behaviorally over 150,000 dogs in my 25 years. Mm. Uh, and uh, 90% of the time that routine goes over extremely smoothly. Uh, but there have been a few times where that dog has turned around on that leash and grabbed me right in the thigh. You know, so uh, basically saying, who the hell are you to tell me not to eat that food? Uh, <laughs> dogs with no expect you know, issues. So. Yeah. And, and so it really sounds like it to back to your example of you coming to the house. You, you, we kind of have this uh, this routine and 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 boundaries really is what you're talking about. You, you know, you know, not to just go into another guy's refrigerator without asking. And and I think as far as like us resource guarding dogs there's different stuff that we can contribute or apply with our dogs on a daily basis that gets that result everything from even when you're giving them their own food they don't get to go eat it until you say okay you can go eat it you know whether they're at a woe stay sit whatever you have you're you're creating that that balance to where they know i can't go eat that until they release me and allow me to go do it so you're kind of getting the benefit of establishing that pecking order within your own home and and your pack essentially and also some other side benefits such as steadiness and stuff that we've talked about that just kind of overlays and you're planting seeds for other training down the road but that that's really all it is is just setting boundaries and being consistent and and maintaining that and that's where a lot of people don't understand that when they give their dogs their own food off the table it doesn't only result in a dog that always expects to get food from the table but it results in other uh, behaviors that aren't exactly desirable in other ways they just show up later on down the road because they expect to get anything they want whenever they want right 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 just like children (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so so I want to move on to probably the more common uh, aggressive tendencies that we see, especially in these hunting dogs, is be, is dogs on dogs. You know, it, it, it's one thing I, I don't really hear too much from listeners or have seen too much about a lot of these dogs showing aggressive tendencies towards people. I'm sure it's out there, but the vast majority of the experiences that I've seen and discussed with people has been their dog against someone else's dog maybe in the field or just hanging around the truck or maybe introducing a new dog to to their own home let's jump into you know dogs being aggressive towards other dogs and and kind of what what that stems from and how we can go about really you know correcting that absolutely yeah absolutely the you know dogs are introverts by nature they, they, you know, I don't believe in dog parks. I don't believe in, uh, um, daycares, things like that. I feel like, you know, dogs love their pack. They develop safety in their pack. Uh, they can play with each other pretty rough in their pack, but rarely will they allow a strange dog to do that, you know, unless they're, 
what I'm what I consider improperly socialized, meaning that they are going to dog parks and they have very very poor uh, boundaries and they have very poor expectations of other dogs. So you know, my dogs, of course, like your dogs, like anybody's hunting dog, the first thing you want to worry about is honoring. You know, if your dog can't honor another dog, then he should not be in that field with that other dog. Um, you know, and 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 I guess it depends on who you're hunting with too. You know, I've been out in the field where now are you are you using that the word honoring in the terms of how a lot of people view it, honoring a retrieve or honoring a point or backing or something like that, or are you referring that in in other ways? No, just just uh, you know, they're they're so when you hunt with a group of dogs, uh, yes, honoring meaning that if if I shoot that bird. You know, my dog's halfway there and your dog's hot behind him, <laughs> you know, uh, my dog picks yep. up that bird, you know, your dog's got to back off, you know, and that's, that's, that is a lot to do with training. You know, you really should just really condition your dog, you should learn how to call the dog off, you know, and, and, uh, and again, not, not, not harm his ability to go again for another bird. Um, dogs typically when I'm in the field, if they're going to get into a fight, it's going to be over honoring issues. You know, that, that, that there's two dogs and hook okay. side by side running for one bird. And when they hit that bird, resource guarding happens and they fight. Now there's no relationship because my dogs, you know, uh, didn't, you know, don't live in the same house with my buddy's dogs. You know, they know each other. Yeah. But again, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's very different. It's very different when, when you're, when you're family versus just going out and, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot more you'll accept from a family member or a friend <laughs> than you will from from a stranger. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so that's that's the thing. I think improper socialization causes most of the problems. Uh, I, I get a lot of guys who have that problem where they let their dogs out of the truck and you know they meet up and their buddies roll in and they open up their doors and their dogs jump out and now there's a big fight right in the middle of the parking lot before we even hit the damn field. Um, you know, and it's be- usually it's because one dog is just improperly socialized and he's like, Hey, look, a dog. And they run and they start jumping and playing and that <laughs> is, it causes a bit of a problem there. Yeah. So, so, you know, normally I yeah. just say, you know, um, training will avoid a lot of problems. It's not, you know, unless you live next to that person and those dogs see each other every single day or you're hanging out, you know, pretty, pretty often. Um, I would say that if you're out in that field, that dog should be really, really, really well trained. You know, and again, like I was saying, you know, you, you belong to some clubs and stuff. You don't know who's out there with their, with their dogs, and you don't know the temperament of the guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you got, you know. So what yeah. what is proper socialization? You know, you've touched on some improper socialization in in your uh, viewpoint. So what what is proper socialization uh, that yeah. that everybody should focus on with their dogs coexisting. It's literally just coexisting. Proper socialization is what we do. Um, if, 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 you know, I, I preach uh, in my book, my podcast, everything about anthropomorphizing, um, you know, treating dogs like, like humans. And uh, one of the big things is that when it comes to socializing, we kind of let that go to the wayside. So I, I don't agree with it all the time, but I do agree with it sometimes, you know? So, so when you, when you look at the way I socialize my children, I don't just, you know, let them headlock and jump and pound somebody to the ground, you know? Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's like when I walk through the mall with my kids, they don't have to say hi to everybody. They don't have to, 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 to go say hi or be aggressive. They just have to learn to coexist, just like the rest of society. 
You know, if you don't like something, whatever, walk by. You know, if you like something, whatever, walk by. <laughs> you know, so, so it's, it's, you don't, you know, it, it, if we look at the way we are, if I took one of these dogs out of the park and, you know, the dogs that have been pet by every single human being on the planet and brought them into the mall, uh, the dog would be trying to solicit attention from everybody, uh, not even taking into consideration the aggressive stance of the person or the other dog. So, so, so to me, the first thing I do with my dogs is I teach them how to ignore people pretty much. You know, none of my dogs have ever had aggression issues, uh, but I can walk them off leash through, through a mall and nothing like, like people don't even exist. And that's the first thing. So, so when you take two dogs out into a hunting field, they should pretty much be doing their job, you know, and worrying about you, not, not about everybody else. <laughs> so, yep. yep. Yeah. So it's really just exposure and and making it the norm to where, you know, it's it, you you go to the hunting spot enough, you get out of the truck enough, you know, that dog is there for its job and it's not too worried about what the other dogs are doing. Uh same thing with the mall. You take your dog enough to the mall, it get, kind of gets accustomed to it, been here, done that, seen these people uh and then just setting the the boundaries over time while you know, you go to the mall a lot. This is the expectation that I have for you and you, and you maintain it. And eventually the dog just acts correct and uh, accordingly, uh, to those, those boundaries that you set up for the dog. Yeah. Uh, so back to we're unloading the dogs and everything. Um, say a, a fight does break out, you know, say it doesn't matter which dog is socialized, which one's not, they're fighting now. What is the correct way to handle a dog-on-dog fight? You know, you have a lot of people that say, oh, let them figure it out, and then they'll be good the rest of the day. Then you have some people that immediately go and try and break it up, and a lot of the times it just gets worse. Uh, what, what, in your opinion, is the correct way to handle uh, a dog-on-dog altercation without, you know, letting it get to the point to where one of the dogs gets hurt or you get hurt trying to break them up, so on and so forth? Well, I mean, f- first off, you know, preventative maintenance, just, just doing the right training, doing the right socializing prior will help prevent these issues. Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, you know, I, I've had a couple dogs jump out of the car and just show their teeth at each other. And at that point, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to stand ready and see what they're going to do. And they usually just kind of, you know, just kind of piss on each other's trees and, you know, go about their <laughs> business. So um, yep. I think that, uh, you know, if, if they're working for you, and you have a good control, you could prevent it whether they like each other or not. You know, it's like my mom used to say, if you don't like somebody, just walk away. <laughs> you don't have to, yep. you don't have to socialize. So, um, if a fight actually breaks out, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you know, it, you're, you're in the middle of the woods. I would never let a dog figure it out, you know, cause, cause you might be carrying your dog out, you know? So, so, so yeah. I would never, never let that happen. It's not like they're two of them, like, two of my dogs out there, you know, if there's a little pissing match, then yeah, because I know they're not going to hurt each other, you know, so puppy needs to learn his place. You know, you can't step over uh, the older one, but I'll, I would never let him do that to a strange dog because I don't know the, the the capacity of the other dog and I don't want my dog getting hurt and I don't want the other dog getting hurt. And now, you know, walking 300 acres back to the car. So, yeah. um, you know, if, if there is some growling going on, it's best to kind of just, you know, get them on leads you know, get them, put them on a, 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 a lunge line if you got one and uh, just work them back and forth. Let them know, hey, you know, bring them together, walk away. 
You know, if you, you, you shouldn't have to be speaking much English to your dogs, to be honest with you, kind of leaning a little bit back towards where we were talking about the resource guarding. You know, I, you should not, when you do that routine and you throw that food in the floor, you shouldn't have to say, wait, leave it or stay. You, you should not have to tell me not to touch your refrigerator. You know, so, so these are expectations. Yeah. These, this is dog language. They don't, they don't speak English to each other. So essentially, you know, um, when that food on the floor, I don't say a word, just like when he finds a bird, I don't want to say a word. My dogs hold, you know, that bird's mine. They don't go for it until I yeah. tell them to, you know, and, and it yeah. sounds like it sounds rough. It sounds gruff, like, you know, oh, tough, you know, tough, tough, uh, talking, but it's the way they work. You know, they, when they find that bird, they freeze and that's literally it. Um, yes, I'll give my dog hold, you know, <laughs> good boy. And like really encourage it and build that anxiety up so that, that, you know, when I tell him to put him up and flush, he's got that boast to him, you know? Um, yep. and I never want my dog to be afraid, you know? So, so, but that same routine can be applied towards two dogs that are having an issue in a field. You could put them on a lead, walk them towards each other and walk away. I expect my dog to follow me, not that other dog. That other dog's got nothing to do with this, this hunt. It's me and you, buddy. You know, and that's that's the way the yeah. dog has to see it. So if he starts to growl, hey, and pop that leash, walk away, bring him back again. Dogs, they live through pass-fail situations. So again and again and again and again and again until that dog literally lets go of the other one and walks away. And then we get back on our hunt. Um, you yeah, know, so, but but that's usually for, you know, if, 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 if you do the preventative maintenance and socialize them, you know, again, it's not, your dog's personality is his personality. By, by letting people pet him, uh, or her, you know, can actually cause more of an issue, to be honest yeah. with you. You know, it's like violating your personal space. You know, I don't know who these people are. Why are they touching me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, some dogs love it. Don't get me wrong. Some dogs love it. But, you know, it, it's, it's, if, if I was walking through a mall and everyone was touching me, I would, uh, I would definitely say something. <laughs> I probably wouldn't yeah. go back to the mall. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, because I've only I've only had like one real real experience with my dog being involved in that is you know I was doing a, a youth quail hunt a few years back just helping out and helping guiding some youth and this guy gets his uh, short hair out and mine's at heel and his dog just jumps right out of the kennel sprints right to us and then just attacks Rachel and oh God. <laughs> it, I mean it, it was just just that quick and I mean it it, it was surprising. Uh, but I mean, I, I literally, you know, my short hair is small. Unfortunately, his short hair was on the smaller side and I just kind of just picked up, both, just separated them, just, you know, one in each arm. Yeah. And the guy came and got his dog. And then, you know, he kind of, kind of established the role again, like, Hey buddy, just what you're talking about. Like you're following me. And, and, you know, it's one of those, I, I was pissed off as a dog owner. Like really, if your dog is that way, you should, you should be at least be cognizant of it. And be prepared of it. Just don't let your dog off the tailgate. But uh, yeah, we we ended up going to the field, and they actually hunted together right then and there. But it took the owner like, "Hey, this we're here to work, not not you doing whatever the heck it is that you're wanting to do on that." Uh, right. But you know, you have a lot of people that they'll break up a dog fight, and as soon as the dogs kind of calm down, while the handlers have each dog right there at their feet. They'll be like, okay, they're good. They'll let go. And then next thing you know, you see a fight spring up again. So again, your solution is just kind of get them back in there, get their mind, mind frame set and walk away back and forth to each other. And then, they, you know, just get their mind back on what you're there to do. Not, 
you know, who cares? You're not at a dog park. You don't have to socialize with them before we have to go in the field. But again, if you're an owner and you, you know, your dog has that tendency, you know, like, like you just said, use a leash. It, it works magically. It's right. Right. E-collar training too. make sure, you know, I, I know a lot of my, my old school friends, you know, um, pro hunters, you know, and stuff. And they're just, you know, they, they're, they're like, I don't need no damn e-collar. And I'm like, look, man, you know, e-collars save lives. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll argue that all day long. I'll say that the prong collar is just shit. I, I, pardon my French. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the, the prong collar is garbage. Uh, e-collars, if you use them right and you condition them right, they could be, they could literally save your dog's life. Literally. Um, you know, GPS collars now, you know, th- these things are, are, are massively important for the field. Um, you know, obviously if your dogs are fighting, word of advice, never hit the e-collar. <laughs> <laughs> never hit the e-collar because... That'll just fire no, them up a little bit more. <laughs> exactly. If they're not biting each other and the other one thought the other one bit them now, <laughs> oh, yeah. now it's a problem. Oh, yeah. know, usually it's just a, a, a pissing match of, of chest butting and open mouth and loud sounds. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's important to make sure the dogs are well conditioned, you know, and, and again, a highly driven dog, uh, you know, my Brocco, my, when I bring my Brocco Italiano out in that field, he'll run right through the other dogs and he will just get straight to work. He only gets pissed off when another dog comes up to him and starts to take him off of his job. You know, now he's like, he'll give us quick little growl back and get right back to work. So again, if, if the dogs are really conditioned, a hunting dog and a bird, there should be nothing else in life. You know, it shouldn't, who the hell cares about these other dogs? I got a bird, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's usually where 90% of the fights I've seen is usually over a bird. It's usually, you know, my dog's on, on, on the bird. I shot the bird. It went down. My dog's going to retrieve it. And here out of nowhere, I don't even see the other hunter. Here comes his dogs flying out towards that bird. So, you know, what sucks is that if the guy isn't there to recall his dogs, I got to recall mine. You know, he, yeah. he, he found it, he pointed it, he put it up, and now he's going to retrieve it, which is his great reward. And I got to give way to uh, these two, you know, German short hairs where I can't even find the owner. You yeah. know, so, so again, it's, it's all about just responsibility. Um, you know, honestly, if the dogs have a little bit of an issue, you know, hunt together, definitely keep your distance, you know, make sure you're doing your thing, make sure you got control over your dog. So, you know, if they had a little bit of a bickering fight down by the cars, then what's going to happen when they're going for the bird? Um, you know, so that's that's the thing, just uh, preventative maintenance, you know, yeah. really preventative maintenance. Yeah, that's the main one. And so the, the, there's two scenarios that, that I want to talk about before we wrap this up. And, and one of which is kind of goes into that preventative maintenance is, you know, starting from when you have a puppy. But really from an aspect of introducing another puppy to to the pack. Say you have an older dog and you're bringing a new dog into it. It doesn't even have to be a puppy, but just a new one. You, you're you're introducing a new member to the family and to the pack. What, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, they may have a, a barrier with that older dog that's existed there without another dog in the, in the living situation for years at this point. And that dog might show aggression. How would you advise somebody handling introducing that new dog? Is it just let them figure it out and establish that pecking order? Or are there certain do's and don'ts to this process? Well, 
definitely having prior knowledge of your dog, you know, the older dog is helpful. You know, if your dog typically doesn't get along with other dogs, then introducing a puppy into the pack might be a better idea than an adult. You know, so so I, I personally, whenever I select a dog for the purpose of hunting, I, I like that dog to be with Mama for a while. So you know, uh, Kuno, my my uh, uh, Brock Dubervenet, he was with Mama for eight months. Mm-hmm. I, I I love that. I love the dog being with Mama because they get such values from them. You know, um, they learn about the resource guarding. They learn about all this stuff. So so, but but bringing an older dog into that situation, knowing you're prior dog has an aggression issue uh it's not impossible but definitely um you'd have to i would i would suggest maybe like a crate thing where where the dog has some sort of a defense uh you know you where you could put one dog in the crate um you know and then and then let them in the same room together and you could you could you know you could start doing things like that personally um again it's all the way you raised your dogs i just get a new puppy and drop in my house and kind of let my big ones put them in his place and never knock on wood they figure it out yeah they, they'll figure it out you know and and that's pack so i don't mind them doing that because they're going to live together for forever so yeah you know um i wouldn't do that with my with my buddy's dog you know it, that dog's going to go home in a couple hours so i don't want them stru- structuring <laughs> that dog they just got to learn to accept him whether they like him or not but uh the puppy yeah absolutely i, I always suggest getting puppies uh you know to uh it's the better way if you know your dog has some sort of an issue. It's rare that a dog is going to harm a puppy. Uh, if he does, then then there's something really unhealthy about your older dog. Um, you know, there there's yeah the, that that it's rare. You know, usually the what happens is the older dog just doesn't want to be bothered by the puppy. You know, puppies are just super yeah. annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah always chewing on them and wanting to play and you got the older one like man leave me alone i'm tired <laughs> totally totally my my chocolate lab bit my my brocco like a hundred times took your brocco a while to figure out his spot exactly he learned to respect them uh yeah and then that that was yep. yeah but that older lab god he lived to 16 and a half he was he was a good boy um but he taught my Brocco some respect. <laughs> never, never heard him. Made yeah. him yelp a few times, but never, never really heard him. But, uh, <laughs> well, the the last thing that I, I want to talk to you about, it, it can be kind of contributed to this, even from planning your next dog. But you said something on our last episode a while back when you were first on, and and I've repeated it a number of times that female on female altercations keeps you in business. Oh God, yeah. So I, I want to distinguish a difference between, you know, maybe male aggression tendencies and female aggression tendencies. And why is it so much that a lot of altercations is female against female uh, as opposed to the other way around? It's so it, it's so the females are really the leaders of the pack. Um, you know, the males have their macro structure, the females have a micro structure and the macro structure. So not only does a female have to be involved in the, uh, the, the, the whole of the pack and that giant macro structure, but you know, she also knows that one day she's going to have a litter and that litter needs to be defended from the rest of the pack until they're old enough to, to start to being able to defend themselves and communicate themselves. So, so she's got like a double responsibility. Um, so being a mama, puts her as an automatic alpha dog. So like an alpha type, even though I hate that word alpha type, but in the first few 
months of uh, after birth, uh, these puppies only see one alpha. You know, they figure out their little structure, but they only see mama as the boss. She's the one who who raises them. So every single female instinctually has this leadership capability, and that's why two females can fight a lot quicker than two males. You know, males have just really the macro structure to work about, worry about. So you know, if you look at it like almost like a. Uh, a totem pole or a bunch of totem poles, you know, you have all your providers up top and then everybody below it. And they kind of figure that out. You know, uh, I might be a Delta, you know, I'll rise up when the, when the more alpha types, uh, you know, start to fade, you know, but they understand that and they stay there. Uh, you know, and then they start to challenge later on in life, but they at least understand this one very basic structure. Whereas the female has to understand that basic structure plus their own. So they're all born leaders. You know, everybody's raised by mama. And essentially, that's that's really why it's very hard to get two alpha type mentalities. You know, the um, I hate using that word alpha type mentality because they're really not in the domestic dog world. They're not the wild wolf alpha dog, you know, it's, it's, uh, but they do have this, this more dominant nature to them. Um, you know, again, even though genetically they don't exit that juvenile state of existence, they still make fantastic parents, you know, and, and they, they still physically mature. So when they have their puppies, they're the, the puppies have to follow somebody and mom is the one raising them, which gives them, uh, that position automatically, whether mama wants to be leader or not, she is. <laughs> She's got 10 puppies. <laughs> so she is the leader. Um, so right there, and, and, and those communication instincts. You know, mama always talks to her puppies, telling them what to do. So the second mama goes to another mama, and they start telling each other what to do, well, that doesn't really play out well sometimes. <laughs> so not, not to say that females don't get along, you know? I mean, I, you know, we have plenty of females all getting along just fine, but they are definitely the ones to bicker over a toy faster than the boys. You know, the boys usually bicker over it and they figure it out pretty quickly. The females, I'm still waiting for them to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, in that, in that something popped up that just kind of jogged, uh, jogged a question for me. So you mentioned something about uh, the, the females, you know, their, their, their mentality is really to get, get ready and, and have pups one day and, and raise a litter and all that. So what are your thoughts? And, uh, you know, I, I know you're not a vet, so if you don't want to talk about it, what's, what are your thoughts about the, the quote unquote solution that a lot of people might suggest to where, Oh, my male is aggressive or female is aggressive. It, if I neuter them or spay them, it's going to fix the problem. If it yeah, takes that, that, that biological deal to where, you know, they're not going to have, puppies or a litter one day you know by by the way you described it that may work but uh, i want to hear your thoughts on it yeah i you know i'm very 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 opinionated when it comes to spaying and neutering dogs um i don't believe in it i don't think dogs should be spayed and neutered i think that if we have a population problem then that's a problem with the people and i think people need to start learning responsibility because to be honest with you, hormones like estrogen and testosterone are crucial to the development, the healthy development of a body. Um, and when I mean a body, I mean any animal on this planet that produces that hormone. Um, okay. You know, bone density issues, joint issues, muscle issues, uh, just that, that it's a necessity there. You know, if you're born with it, um, you know, why should it be removed? Uh, is that going to change a personality. So if, if, uh, 
if uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy, if I, if I, for some reason needed a medical procedure, you know, taking away my testosterone, uh, you know, is that going to make me less aggressive? Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's, it's, it's your personality, you know, it's that. So, so that's not going to make a dog less aggressive. It might make them, you know, or definitely going to change their ability for the desire to breed. You know, obviously without that testosterone flowing through their body, they're not going to want to breed. So they can yeah. control certain behaviors like that. But, um, you know, again, it's like, look at human beings just as an example, you know, uh, later on in life, you know, um, infertility issues, you know, things like that are just lack of, of that hormone, uh, testosterone. It can cause depression. It can cause a lot of things. Um, so there are actually more studies being done in, in veterinary medical field showing that spaying and neutering your dog is not the right option. You know, uh, first off, unnecessary opening up your dog, you know, causes the potential of infection and, and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, and again, that, that hormone is, it's, it's, it's a part of your body. It's, you know, so, you know, these, these excuses like, oh, well, it reduces uh, the chances of cancer. Well, yeah, you castrated your dog. He can't get testicular cancer because he has no testicles. So, I mean, you know, uh, but, you know, I have a potential of getting pinky cancer. Should I cut my pinky off? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's just, it's, if you're worried about cancer, feed your dog right. <laughs> you know, yeah. give, him, yep. give him some raw food, do something, you know, uh, take care of the dog, but, uh, or have genetic testing done. You know, again, it's, it's, it's things like that. Know, know what the potential problems are and, 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 and be proactive about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm a big one on that one. You know, as a dog, con- former dog control officer, uh, you know, from my local police department here, I could tell you meeting with ags and markets and doing my research, uh, with the Spain neutering program from way back got in the 70s bob barker you know and betty white and all, all spay and neuter your dogs uh <laughs> yeah. you know s- since then and i've seen the ags and markets uh uh statistics because i had to contribute to them um since then god we we as a community as a society spay and neuter every single shelter dog you know they spay and neuter purebreds the spay and neuter thing is wildly popular but yet every single year there's like a hundred thousand dogs more on the streets or in the shelters so how's that possible it's you know because all the people like you and i who are responsible are going out and getting it done getting it neutered but all the irresponsible people are not going to do it so it's it's really a responsibility issue uh not not, you know uh, if if you know you could spay and neuter your dog but are you really gonna you know it's like let them roam yeah, you're not gonna let them roam the neighborhood for uh, <laughs> impregnating so, coyotes. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I, I just I can sum all that up that spaying and neutering your dog is not gonna fix the aggression issues in the dog, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just run off on it. Yeah, <laughs> you get me going. Uh, yeah, you know, yes, it, it's 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 not a solution to an aggression issue. Um, yeah, you know, proper training, uh, just. Just one quick example. One of my labs was cryptorchid. You know, the, the testicle did, one testicle didn't fall. So I had to have him neutered. Um, and that dog was by far the most aggressive dog I've ever had in my life. Uh, black lab. And he was, uh, God, my uncle walked in the house once. I, I, when he was a puppy and my uncle walked, just walked in unexpected and that dog went right over the couch for him. So, <laughs> wow. And yeah, that dog, he was one of my best hunters. He was ferocious out in that field. That dog would point. He would get me so many birds, it wasn't even funny. Um, dominant as can be. All my dogs in my pack bowed down to that dog. 
Uh, he, he recently passed on me, but um, <clears throat> I'll tell you, he was the only one I had neutered. <laughs> so yes to answer that question absolutely not is it not going to change in my opinion i'll put it like that let's yep. put it as my opinion so that this way you know <laughs> i got you man well i appreciate it i mean it you know aggression is one of those topics that, that there's so much nuance to it every situation with aggression it's it's like you really have to know the environment what's actually happening the situation because a lot of it really does come down to resource guarding whether that's you uh your belongings that the dog kind of just knows that hey this belongs to us get away from it uh you know that it's it's hard to go through every example and advise somebody how to act in specific situations without knowing the full picture and the context of everything but you know that this was a, a fun conversation and and just talking about just dog behavior in general and how aggression is related to it and and uh, real quick you know plug plug everything that you got going on where people can find you and follow you and uh, yeah it, it was a fun conversation I appreciated having you on again. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's always a pleasure to be on here. Yeah, definitely. If people want to listen to uh, my podcast, it's uh, The Pack Animal Podcast. Uh, you know, my business is Steady Wind. If you go to steadywinddog.com, uh, you can visit my website from there. There are links to my uh, to my Instagram, uh, into my Facebook and, 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 you know, I'll be posting all the stuff about my book, which is rapidly moving forward. Uh, and we're working on, you know, documentaries and things like that. So, you know, lots going on, lots of good stuff. So, and I, I always enjoy being on your show. <laughs> yeah. Good deal. We appreciate it. And, uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks for coming on again, David. Thanks brother. Take care. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.